Hey, Pastor Brian here. I want to thank you for tuning in to Rockhouse Baptist Church Podcast. I hope this message inspired you. I hope it encourages you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now, for today's message. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, and you're at home listening, wherever you're at, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at the first 18 verses. Now, I know that's a lot of verses, but just hang on with me. Um, I do want to start out with a question this morning, though, for those of you at home and for the worship team that's hanging around. (laughs) I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you have just ran in circles? And you keep running and running and running, and then only to stop and realize that you've pretty much gone nowhere. Uh, That was my life for about 25 years until the Lord uh, decided to uh, break my pride and call me a child of God. I accepted that. Now this morning, if you're not a child of God, please tune in closely. If you are a child of God, this message is a good reminder at what Christ has done for you and how he's brought you this far. I've also been in a situation, though, to where I feel like, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to say this. I was doing laundry today. Lord, forgive me for saying this out loud here in in Sunday morning service. I was doing laundry today, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if there was a one-time fix for this laundry and her name not be Stacy? Um, Having said that, uh, I was doing the laundry, actually, and while she was working on some homework, and I thought, man, this would be so awesome if I could just put one load in, and that would be done, and never have to fold clothes or anything like that ever again. I wouldn't have to come back over and over and wash these clothes <laughs> to get clean, to put on something clean. Let me tell you this morning, folks, there is a one-time fix for the most important thing in your life. The most important thing that you possess in your life is your spirituality of your soul. There is a one-time fix for your soul. This one-time fix is very, very important. It's the only thing that can bring you into a relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was once said, though, that a life lived without Christ is simply a life not lived at all. So I ask you this morning, open your hearts to God's Word. Let His Word transform your heart. And as we go through the Scripture this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, please, please keep these two questions in your mind. Who am I without Jesus? Who am I without Jesus? And where would I be without him? If you are a believer, hold on to the second question. If you're a non-believer and you're tuning in and you're just scrolling up Facebook or you're on YouTube and you want to hear a good word this morning, ask yourself, who am I without Jesus Christ? Come close. Listen. Jesus is all you need to be happy. Jesus is all you need to be successful. Jesus is all you need to be satisfied. Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. And this morning, our sermon title is Once and for All. Just like the song said, 
once and for all, Jesus' sacrifice was good enough. As a matter of fact, if you're reading in your Bibles, my Bible has a subtitle this morning of The Perfect Sacrifice. It's not talking about anything that I've done, but it's talking about Jesus Christ's work on the cross and what He's done for you and I to be saved and brought into a relationship with Him so that we can spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. Before we um, get too deep into the Scripture, I want to give you some background on Hebrews. It has one overarching theme, and that theme is the superiority of Jesus Christ. As you read through Hebrews this week, and if you're not on our Bible reading plan, let me encourage you to uh, get on that. We're almost through the whole Bible. It doesn't read every single chapter, but it does uh, highlight... Um, some chapters as you go through the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. But here is what Hebrews is about. The New Covenant, which is Jesus Christ's blood and how it replaces the Old Covenant. And we're going to dive into that a little bit in just a minute. But the author is pretty repetitive about the point that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only way, just like the song said this morning, there's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know one man that's given me a, that's the truth. That's right. Brother Steve Sizemore's tuning in. I guarantee you he's saying amen when you talk about the blood of Jesus. There's only one way for forgiveness to be found, and that's through Jesus' blood. Now the author, I'll be honest with you, is unknown. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. Many think it's Apostle Paul due to the writing patterns. Some think it's Luke, Barnabas, and even the um, Apostle Apollos, which is, a, is known a little bit, Paul talks about in Corinthians. Nobody truly knows. But the author is not the important focus of this morning. The important focus is that God's Word is what truly matters. Last week, I believe it was Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, Paul had wrote from prison, what does it matter as long as the gospel is advancing? What had happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, brothers and sisters, he says. And this morning, I want you to know that the most important thing in your life is the word of God and the standing of your soul. So if you have your Bibles with me or your tablets, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at the first four verses. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word pierces the heart of the lost. Lord, that it melts the heart of the stone. There may be a believer that's online this morning, Father, wondering how I can find the peace that I need to survive this world at this moment? How can I find, Lord, uh, satisfaction? Lord, how can I no longer have to run myself ragged to find what I need? Father, as the song says, let them come to the well. The Bible says that you have to draw them near. Lord, let their hearts be open this morning. Let the word of God not return void. <laughs> May everything we say and do bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and what he done for us on the cross. And it's in Jesus' most precious name we pray this morning. And amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 says this. Since the law has only a shadow 
of the good things to come and not the actual form of those realities. It can never perfect the worshiper by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Verse 2. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshiper, once purified, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Amen. Ain't that the truth? Right away, we see this astonishing truth in the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 10. Now, before we get to the astonishing truth that I want to uncover this morning, I want you to know that the law is highly important. God ordained the law for a very specific purpose. Without the law, we would not know what sin is. We would just be running around uh, committing sin, not realizing that what we're doing is wrong. We would not need to know or understand God's grace and our forgiveness that the Savior gave to us through His blood on the cross. We would not even begin to understand the uh, the God's plan for all humanity this morning. The author says the law, okay, a.k.a. the old covenant, is just a shadow of things to come. What do you mean by things to come, Pastor Brian, this morning? I don't know about you, but I thought about this. I like real things. I don't like things that are fake. I don't like for people to tell me about things and then me wonder if it's truly real. Let me give you an example. If I go to buy a new car, the car has a shadow, but I don't go and lay my money down or negotiate for the shadow of the car. I want the real, actual, concrete, drivable car. <laughs> the shadow just tells me that the car is there. That there's a reason this shadow is here. Here we see that the sacrifices that were made year in and year out, time after time, were insignificant. It was only a shadow of things to come. What is that that came? Folks, it's Jesus Christ. I'm skipping ahead a little bit in my sermon. But it proves that Jesus' work on the cross is a reality. Again, year after year, people would come to the high priest and he would administer this old sacrificial system, having a little Bible study this morning, to where people would bring their best animals, supposedly without spot or without blemish, but they were just animals. And they would be presented at the altar as if, as if I myself was the high priest this morning. And somebody would come forth on the aisle and they would lay down their animal here and say, this priest is... My sacrifice for my sins for this year. <laughs> and then the animal would be killed with the blood sprinkled all over the altar, all over the person, all over pretty much everybody that was there. And it sounds silly, but God had ordained this system as a way to purify the sinners of the Old Testament, to purify the people. But God also had a plan because he knew this system wasn't good enough. Why should they have to come back year after year, time after time? We know this system was at the end-all, be-all now. 
You have to understand, at that time, that's all they knew. Okay, But the writer says, why do they continue to offer these sacrifices? Shouldn't their conscience be clean? I mean, you know, is the bull of last year not good enough to cleanse me this year? Folks, the most dangerous thing in our life is sin. Hear me this morning. You need to wake up and quit worrying about the things that do not matter. <laughs> Hear me out. Our material things. Those things can't bring us closer to God. They can help separate you from God, but they cannot bring you closer to God. Our success in our life through jobs or money being made cannot bring you closer to God. However, it can hinder your walk with God. Our feelings. Where am I going with this? Our reaction. Somebody did this to me. Hmm. So my feelings toward them is a little hard. That cannot bring you closer to God, but however, it can hinder your walk with God. So for a moment, as a matter of fact, I'm going to charge you this morning to stop and realize that the most important thing that you need to be concerned about is being holy and blameless before the loving Father who sent His only begotten Son for you. That he would suffer for you. <laughs> Not that you would feel great all the time. Not that you would have nice houses and cars, and it's okay if you do. I feel like my little 16 by 80 is a mansion to me, and I love every square foot of it. But nothing that I own can bring me closer to God. Verse 4 says, For it is impossible for blood, the blood of bulls and goats, to take away sins. And I got a little note in here. It says, to remind me of the song, the old hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Folks, our sins are like weeds. <laughs> you hear all the time, he's a growing like a weed. He's a tall fella now. Well, if that's our sin, that's not a good thing. And until we get to the root of the sin, Till we get to the root of the weed and pull it up by the root, really get to the problem. Folks, we're going to be walking like these people coming back time after time again, asking for forgiveness. Folks, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting new results. God knew that this wasn't going to solve the real issue for his people. He knew that these sacrifices were not going to truly make his children holy. But God has an uncovered truth in these next verses. Let's look at verses uh, beginning with verse 5. We're going to read through uh, verse 10 really quick. Verse 5 says, Therefore, as he, being Christ was coming into the world, he said, You did not want sacrifice and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, See, it is written about me in the volume of the scrolls. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, You did not want or delight in sacrifices or offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. 
Okay, that's the old covenant. Verse 9. He then says, See, I have come to do your will. He, being Jesus, takes away the first to establish the second. That's the covenants. Verse 10. By this will of God, we have been sanctified. Hear that this morning. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Let me say that again. I'm going to read verse 10 one more time. By this will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The author of Hebrews quotes Psalms 40, verses 6 through 8. Albeit it is a slightly different version, but that's where that scripture comes from. You'll read, if you were to read in Hebrew or Greek or study up on it, it is a little bit different. But the psalmist is actually just writing about a personal experience. And he's writing for a devotion to God of a deliverance that God had put him through. And he's showing an outward expression of worship towards God. Quoting these verses, though, as I was studying this week, took me back and I thought, Psalms? is the Old Testament. To my knowledge, Jesus was not actually in human, carnate form, walking on the earth at this time. So it actually takes us back to before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. As we get close to Christmas, we know how important that is. This shows us that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but He is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus said, I have come to do your will. God, when I was praying this week, I just, this come to my mind and my heart, for those of you at home. God don't want mine or yours or yours and my meaningless sacrifices. <laughs> you giving up something half-heartedly to think that you're going to pursue God half-heartedly means something. God wants your heart. He didn't die for 99% of you. Jesus didn't. He died for 101%. Let's go a little further. When you think you don't have nothing left to give in this life, when you think you're to the, your end's wits, think about what Jesus Christ did for you. This morning, that's my challenge. God wants your heart. You don't want anything else that you have to offer. There's nothing that the, the man who owns a, a thousand cattle on the hills that you could give to him but your heart. He died because he loves you. You see, these sacrifices in the old covenant were more really about insurance. I didn't want to call it fire insurance because I think it was a little more than that. We don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> fire insurance meaning they didn't want to go to hell. But... They wanted to make sure that they were covered. So I, I, I wanted to think, was these sacrifices to cover their self or out of obedience to God? So I want to ask you this morning, is your sacrifices to just cover yourself, oh Lord, I don't want this to happen to me, or is it out of obedience to the Father? Is it out of obedience to His will for your life? Are you seeking Him? Are you like King David, a man or a woman after God's own heart? Oh, I pray that you are this morning. There isn't a sacrifice that we can give God 
the Bible tells us that he prepared a body for the son to be slain. He sent his only begotten son. Verse 9 says his son came to establish the second. It was God's will for us to be saved. I could argue that. Many could argue that. Are we predestined? I don't want to get into all of that. What I'm trying to tell you is he didn't send his only son for nothing. <laughs> he sent him for you to be saved. The Prince of Preachers, we're going to quote him this morning. Actually, we're going to quote him a couple of times. If you don't know who the Prince of Preachers is, is Mr. Charles Spurgeon once looked out to his congregation of about 10,000 or so, they said. And he looked out and he said, May God give you grace to see sin as it really is in his sight, not in yours. For then you will realize your need for a Savior. Folks, don't matter if you're a pastor, don't matter if you give two pennies on Sunday, whatever you give, you need to realize that you have a need for a Savior, that God has the power to anario. What does that mean? Anario in Greek means to take away, to set aside forever your sins once and for all. The key to growing closer to God this morning, folks, is not trying harder. Trust me, I have tried that in the last three or four months. God didn't want me to try harder. He wanted me to slow down and give up my problem and give up my issue. It wasn't that he was wanting me to do a little more for him. I was out of his will. But when I slowed down, I said, Lord, just help me. Search me. It was then I found what he needed for me. So I ask you this morning, slow down. Be still and know that God is working in your life. But you have to give it up. You cannot carry it no more. He'll let you carry it until you can't carry it anymore. It's about letting go of your pride. Many prideful folks live in this day and age. It's all about me. Pretty sure the Bible says, less of me, more of him. That's the antidote. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for you. In John 19, verse 30, as he was hanging on the cross, and I love that we unveiled the cross tonight. I don't know if we don't need to keep doing that every Sunday. And he said this, it is finished. What did Jesus Christ mean when he said it is finished? He means this, stop worrying about losing your salvation. Stop worrying about trying to earn your salvation. What I have done on the cross for you is a gift from God. All you have to do is accept it. How is that possible? Well, let's go to verses 11 through 18 this morning. Verse 11 says, Every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, being Jesus Christ, hallelujah, and offering one sacrifice for sins forever, set down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. That is Old Testament scripture as well. And this is all wrapped up in verse 14. For by one offering, 
He has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Hang on to that verse. Verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, This is my covenant I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Amen. He adds, I will never again. Let me say that again. I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Amen. I hope you heard those last few verses. If you haven't heard anything this morning. But verse 11 says they would come back day after day. It's almost like they would come and they'd pick it right back up. Come and pick it right back up. Making the same sacrifices these ministers would. And here's a little Bible study for us this morning. When God designed the tabernacle and later the temple, he designed it with many furnishings, the Ark of the Covenant, gold lampstands, altars, the table of showbread. All this was in sections. I encourage you to study it a little bit. But one thing he did not put in there was a seat for the high priest. Why is that symbolic? Why is that significant? For this reason. The priests had to stand while giving offerings to God's people for their sins. If I am standing, that means there is still work to be done. The job was not finished. But you see a paradox here in verse 12 as we were reading. Jesus, the Bible doesn't say that he stands. The Bible says that he does what? He sits down at the right hand of God. This is huge for all mankind. This means that Jesus' work is finished, is complete. Our salvation is intact. He makes us holy. Not because anything that we did, but because he decided to come down from heaven, hang on that rusted cross, let nails be drove to him, and then sit down at the right hand of God. Oh, Lord, I thank you this morning. The work on the cross has completed you and I. Jesus defeated his enemies. Therefore, as I said last week, we don't fight for victory. A Christian should not fight for victory. I love the song, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, O Lord. <laughs> you have sanctified us. Verse 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever, forever, those who are sanctified. Our salvation is both a complete fact, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's an ongoing process. I'm not saying that you can lose it. I am saying this, we are conformed to the image of Christ every single day. We have to make a decision to follow him every day. That's not a decision of salvation, but that's a decision of denying self, picking up our cross, and carrying it daily, the Bible says. Through our faith in Jesus, we are justified and put in a right relationship with the Holy Father. You cannot come to the Father <laughs> with a request until you're in a right relationship with Him. That would be like walking up to a stranger on the street saying, can I have all your money? Can I come live with you in your house? Can you bless me? And the stranger not even know you. Hmm. I would venture to say the gentleman or the lady I would hope would help you, but they may say, away from me, for I don't know you. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, your faith declares you righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By His power and Spirit, we are enabled to be conformed to His image. I couldn't help but to think, as I was studying this this week, am I any different than I was six years ago? When I gave my life to the Lord, am I any different? Am I a better person? Am I praying more? <laughs> am I giving more? Am I tithing more as the Lord has provided for me and my family? Am I slowing down and helping somebody on the side of the road a little more? Lord knows we probably can't help everybody. But I know that Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, when he probably didn't have any time either. Are we giving to these families that are in need? Are we doing what the Bible says by helping the widow, helping the homeless? I want to ask you this morning, are you any better in your walk with Christ from the day you got saved till now? If you are not, let me ask you this. Are you truly walking with Jesus? That was a big shot to me this week. I don't want to be like the priests standing there working in vain, knowing that I'm going to have to come back tomorrow and do it again and then do it again and then do it again. My friends, I want Jesus. I want to find that rest in his yoke. I want to find the peace that he promises. I want to find the assurance that my sins of the past, get this, my sins of the present, and my sins that I'm going to commit, not willingly, not knowingly, I'm not wanting to commit those, but the ones that I do in my future, guess what? I'm telling you this morning, if you are a child of God, they are covered. God's work is endless. It never stops. Christ's salvation is not a got you moment. Hear me out. He's not saying, ha-ha, I got you. <laughs> it's not a trick. Verses 15 through 17 talks about the new covenant that God has made with his people. He says the laws are wrote on their heart. We can be obedient to God out of one thing, out of love for him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to let God down in any part of my life. Not one part do I want to let him down. I thought about God's promises and how he promised to remember Brian Hubbard's sins no more. My lawless acts, forgiven. My transgressions, forgiven. The Bible says they're as far as from the east is to the west. <laughs> That's never ending. My God is almighty. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. In that God that I'm bragging about right now, that I'm boasting, as Paul says in the Lord, looks down upon this sinner in his sight. And he looks at me and he says, My son, what marvelous and wonderful handiwork you are of me. For nothing that I've done, but for the blood that covers my sins. Praise God this morning for his mighty work. It's an, it's an easy as a confession this morning. As simple as laying it down. A repentant heart can spend eternity with God. Let me say that again. I didn't say a prideful heart. I didn't say a heart that worries about number one. 
I said a repentant heart will spend eternity with God. Folks, there's two places we're going to go. I don't care what you see on the news. Listen, I don't care what they say in college classes. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. The truth is this. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Don't let somebody else tell you that there's any other way. Because I promise you, looking in this camera, I am convicted with the Holy Spirit that it's either heaven or hell. And here's the thing. <laughs> I want you to go to heaven. I want you to be with me, my wife. I pray to God, my two girls, my in-laws, <laughs> my sweet Granny Joyce Mosley, <laughs> and the saints of God I want you to go to heaven with them. Every Christian's heart breaks for the lost sinner because they know there's no coming back <laughs> once you have died without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I'm going to close with this. Charles Spurgeon, again, looking out to his congregation, he said, I, I'm sure there's a sinner here today I pray there's not, but if there is, I want you to go home with this. You may do without, I'm sorry, you may live without Christ now, but it will be hard work to die without Him. You may do without His bridge here, but when you get to the river and you think yourself a fool to have laughed at the only bridge that can safely carry you over. Hmm. You may despise Christ now, but what will you do then when you get to the water, to the river, without a bridge, without a Savior? Oh, how you'll want Him then. Oh, how you'll want Him then. Praise be to God this morning for His glorious work. He can turn your life around. Ask my mother. Ask me. He can make a sinner, a saint, and the angels don't even know how. How they can be in heaven and they cannot receive the salvation that we, the sinners, get. This morning I want to ask you, do you know Christ? I sat in the back of the church for 10 years. For 10 whole years. And acted like I knew him. Everybody said, he's a pretty good guy. He don't do no wrong. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. Thank God for a praying girlfriend at the time and for a praying wife, amen, and for a praying church. But folks, you, you may have the world fooled, <laughs> but the man who wrote this and inspired this knows your heart. And this morning I want to ask you, you know God. And if you don't, I want you to know that with a prayer, Romans chapter 10 says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, Father, hear their call this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I love you Lord, more than I love anything else. 
But Father, there's a love that I, I have for you that I want others to have. Lord, there's a brokenness inside of me that I know this brokenness is helping my walk with you. Father, my valley moments is when I reach up for your hand. Father, when I'm on the mountaintop, that's when I look up to the sky and I know, look at what a creation that you have made with thy hands, Father. Lord, if there's a sinner who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that this morning, today, be the day of their salvation. Father, put it on their heart. I don't know, wanna, know if I want to pray, Lord, to you to make them miserable. But, Father, I want you to tug on their heart so hard that they know without a shadow of a doubt in their mind, I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ in my life. Lord, please, 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 Father, shoot an arrow into the heart of the unbeliever this morning. Father, with all that's going on in the world, I've heard prayers for healing for our country. I've heard prayers, Lord, get rid of this virus. Father, here's my prayer. We need not to worry about anything else but the lost heart. Lord, the lost heart is what the Bible is wrote about. It's not wrote about a plague. It's wrote about the lost heart. And that Jesus would leave the 99 to find one. Oh, Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, watch over us, guide us, and lead us. Bring us back at our next appointed time. No matter where anybody's at this morning, Father, let the Spirit move. Let your word not return void. It's in Jesus Christ's most precious name I pray. Amen. Again, thank you for tuning in. You can also find us on Facebook.com by searching Rockhouse Baptist Church. Or you can go to our website, rockhousebaptist.org. Thank you for listening.